1: them dark forces came behind to the left and right the desert brought panic to their minds the evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run the chariots of egypt Drew nearer as they cried. Yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said, There is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. Darker pleasures so pleasant to my eyes I knew a lack of praise had led me to that hour Standing there surrounded by sin power Yet the terror of those moments began to fade away As my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day And my spirit took its armor as my lips took up the sword. Light broke through the darkness, a mighty salvation from our Lord. that my
2: devil before, the devil behind, but God is in the midst. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. They were terrified. The children of Israel had the Egyptian army chasing them from behind. In front of them was the Red Sea, considered in that day to be a place of darkness and destruction, a place of demons. So they were terrified because before and behind, they were all shut in. And it looked impossible. It looked like they would die out there in the wilderness before they even really got to the wilderness. That's always the way the devil wants to do it. That's his M.O. He wants to surround you. He wants to be in front and behind. He wants it to look impossible for you to walk without sin. He wants to make it look utterly impossible to be delivered. He wants you to be discouraged and turn to the world and feast on the things of darkness to veg out, to escape into the worldly entertainment. He doesn't want you to stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. But, oh, today, we are going to stand firm in this broadcast, and we are going to see the deliverance of the Lord. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I don't have any strategies for success. I don't have any positive thinking solutions to the encirclement by the devil. I just have the mighty hand of Jesus Christ. I have the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I have the gospel of Jesus. And that blood of Jesus will open the Red Sea. The children of Israel... They cry out to Moses. They complain to Moses. They say, why did you bring us out here to die? What have you done to us, Moses? Why didn't you just leave us alone in our misery, in our bondage? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Of course, the Egyptians always say, look, you have two choices. You can either serve the Egyptians or you can die. You can either take the V-shot or get fired. That's what the devil says. It's not what God says. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. That is, stand still. Don't wiggle. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you if you just stand still. If we are going to have the deliverance of God from the devil, we're going to have to get still before him. The first requirement of God, if he is going to deal with us in the way he can in his mighty power, We have to stop the action of delivering ourselves. Stop the fighting. Stop the arguing. Stop the bickering. Stand still. With hands lifted up to heaven. And then wait on the Lord for him to make a promise to us. And if you're doing as you need to be doing and you are devouring Scripture day by day, you no doubt have already come across many, many wonderful promises of God. These promises are the very heart of your deliverance. For you must hear the Rama word of God as it comes into your heart in the form of a promise. Stand firm, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Have you heard that from God? If you haven't heard that from God, stand still. Don't be afraid. Wait on the Lord. Now some of you have not heard that word from God because you are too far away from God. You say to me, Pastor, God doesn't speak with me. Well, it's hard to hear God speak when you're so far away from him. You have to be close to hear God speak. Remember, he didn't come to Elijah in the fire or the wind. He came in a still, small voice. He comes that way today. So you stand still. You quiet your heart. One man put it this way faced with an awful crisis in someone else's life or in his own life. He said, I had to get still before God. And sometimes it would take me several days or weeks. Well, why would it take so long for God to speak? Because he was so full of himself. And he would say, God must put me on the lathe and trim me down until I'm small enough that I can hear God speak. I've noticed when I'm impressed with my own bigness, when I'm impressed with my own answers, God generally will just let me be impressed with my answers and go about my business. It's when I humble my heart and I ask God, please trim me down Quiet me. Give me the ability to be quiet before you, to not be reaching out and grabbing for what I want. One dear sister said, You just go into the throne room of God and you see what's on the table and you grab it and run. No, you don't do that with God. You can go to the devil's table and do that. You can't go to God's table and do that. The Lord God of heaven serves us. He gives to us what he wants us to have. But in order for him to give to us what he wants to give to us, we must become silent. We must turn off the noise, the entertainment, the television, the socializing. We must get in solitude with him. We must get quiet in order to hear him. And then the promises will come alive. And as the promises come alive, we'll hear him say, just just be still, watch, I'll fight for you. And you stand on the promise. The Lord said to Moses, Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Oh, wait a minute. They were told to stand still. Now they're told move on. Yes, but in between stands the promise of God. He always gives us directions on how to move forward. So here we have the children of Israel blocked in by the devil behind, blocked in by the devil ahead. They can't wiggle. And in that place, Moses is told to stretch out his hand. To stretch out his hand over the sea, over that which the devil calls his own, over the devil's place of authority over chaos and darkness and destruction, death. Now, God does something that's absolutely astonishing. This pillar of Shekinah glory that gives light to the camp at night now becomes dark on one side, and the pillar leaves the front of the children of Israel, a million strong, and goes and comes down to the ground between the Egyptians and God's people. So God's people have light. They can see what is happening. But the Egyptians are in darkness. Their camp is shut down. God knows how to shut the devil down. And he knows how to lift up his, his children. God knows how to handle the circumstances of the devil coming against you in sickness, in judgments, in accusations, in lack. God knows how to deal with the devil. Now watch. Watch. Then, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea, Exodus fourteen twenty one. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Later, we'll get to the song of Moses in chapter 15. And there we're told, By the blast of your nostrils the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. They froze. They became solid. One wall on the left and one wall on the right. The waters were divided and that strong east wind like a Hair dryer blowing hot, dry air onto that seabed totally dried it out so the children of Israel could cross without walking in the mud. They could have their carts pulled through. They could bring their livestock through with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Now, as they begin to make that crossing, and finally, they're all between the walls of water, and they're going orderly. They're not running. They're not frightened. They see these walls of water, and they are astonished by the power of God. They are delivered by the power of God. Now, the Egyptians are still behind them, but notice what God has done. The mighty hand of God has cleaved that sea wide open. The sea represents destruction and death, chaos. But God is greater than the sea. God is greater than the devil. And he divides the water. He separates the water, demonstrating his mighty power over the devil. Now, I want to read for you something from the New Testament that is just equally astonishing. It's found in Matthew, the 14th chapter. He's just fed 5,000 people, men, another probably 5,000 to 15,000 people, men, women, and children all included. Verse 22 Immediately, that is after they finished all of the food and they've collected the 12 baskets, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he'd sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, and he was there alone, But the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. The devil was trying to kill the disciples. Jesus wasn't there. He wanted to sink their boat. Again, the sea or the lake is looked upon with fear in that culture because the ferocious storms that would come upon the body of water meant death. Chaos, destruction, the devil. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Why would he come walking on the sea? He could have just transported himself unseen. No, he wanted to demonstrate that the sea was not to be afraid of, that he was ruler over the powers of darkness in the Old Testament. He cleaved the sea in two and they walked through on dry land. Now he just walks on the water. He walks on the devil. He has total power over him. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. And he said, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. Now, some people are critical of Peter and say that was a little bit uh, pushing it. You should have stayed in the boat where you were safe. No. When you take that position, you don't understand what was going on in the spirit realm. Jesus invited Peter to come out on that water with him. He would have loved to have had all the disciples get out of the boat and come to him. Why? Because when the day of Pentecost came, he was going to give them the power and authority to walk on the devil, to walk on the serpents, and they would not hurt them. Now Peter still has little faith. And so he becomes terrified by the buffeting of the wind. The waves are whipping around him. The, The spray is flying. The devil can put on a great show. Can I say to you today, I don't care what the show is that the devil is putting on for you, telling you that you cannot walk without sin, telling you that you're always going to be under condemnation telling you that the devil has control, that he controls your workplace, he controls your family, he controls, he's the power. No, he's not. God is the power. Jesus Christ, by his atoning sacrifice, gained the right to walk on the devil. And if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must learn with me to boldly, without fear walk on the devil a brother is always saying to me pastor don't give the devil any due he is defeated and he is but he can he can stir up a great storm he can he can make a great show but he's powerless when we're hidden in jesus christ Oh he may even cause me to lose my life if Jesus allows him, but that's okay because then I go to Jesus. I'm not I'm not worried about this life. I'm concerned about the life to come. I'm standing in Jesus and I will not be afraid. I will trust Almighty God to come walking across the devil's land, parting it if necessary, walking on top of it if that's better. And I, too, come to this broadcast. Walking on the devil. Walking on the devil. He is cast down. His strongholds are to be torn down, not with the carnal weapons, but by the spirit of the living God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not defeated. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. That's why we read the scriptures. That's why we pray. That's why we bear witness. It's why we testimony, testify. It's why we stand and don't waver in the face of everything the devil can throw at us. Because we, in Jesus Christ, walk on top of him. He is beneath our feet. Why are you crying out to me, Moses? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Why does the devil take such advantage? The Lord lets him so that we by the power of the blood of Jesus can stand up against him and say enough is enough thus far and no further i am in the i am in the blood i am hidden in Jesus Christ i have authority over the powers of darkness and they will not defeat me they can kill me maybe they cannot take my freedom I do not serve any human government. I do not serve any human denomination. I serve Jesus Christ. And my freedoms will not be removed from me. I will stand with my brothers and sisters and say, No. And I will pray... I will tear down the strongholds that come against the Christian church in the name of Jesus Christ and by his blood. I will not compromise with darkness. I will not play the game with darkness. I will walk in the mighty power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I invite you to get out of the boat. And walk on the water. Walk through the divided Red Sea. It parts for you as you are in the prayer closet and you allow the Lord God of heaven to separate your Red Sea. Then the angel of God who'd been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew. Went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land, and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on the left. Now, as they were moving quickly, but orderly, not rushing, a million people making their way through this great opening in the Red Sea. Finally, the cloud was lifted, the darkness was lifted, and the Egyptians see that the children of Israel are escaping through that gaping hole in the Red Sea, and they say, Let's go! And they pursue them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen, they follow the children of Israel. The army follows the children of Israel jogging into the Red Sea. They too are walking on dry land. But in that early morning hour, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army. And he began to make the wheels of the chariots come off, wrecks at the head of the chariot companies as they charged forward. He caused the wheels on one side to lock so that the chariot swerved and dumped the charioteers out. Egyptian army quickly began to recognize what was going, and they said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Oh, my brother, my sister, I want you to hear this. The Lord, the God of heaven and earth, will fight for you against every satanic power. He will deliver you from every addiction. Every addiction is demonic in nature. He will deliver you from that demonic oppression, whether it be the oppression of drugs or sex or anger or gluttony, whatever the devil has going on to destroy your life. If you will turn and you will get small enough, and you will wait on God, and you will hear his promises to you, the Lord God of heaven will step in, and he will fight for you. He will deliver you. I've experienced this countless times. I bear witness before you today as a man of God that he is sure and his word is good, and he is not one who shows favorites. I'm not special. I'm not different. Every gift he gives, he's willing to give to all. He loves you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to stop trying to deliver yourself and stand still and hear in the solitude and quietness of your heart he wants you to hear his promise. That means lay aside the novels, turn off the television, turn off the internet, turn off the cell phone, turn off the movies, pull back from your busy schedule. I want to say something aside for just a moment, please. Please. Some of you are earnest in following after Jesus, but you are being so caught up in your work that you don't have time to be quiet before God. Stop. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. If you do not have time to wait on God, You have gone beyond what the Lord has called you to and the result will be demonic powers will begin to come once more into your life and you will begin to backslide. You're either going up or you're coasting down. If you're allowing your work to consume you because you think you need money, You are backslidden, and you will now begin to lose the fervor you have carried in your heart. You must say no to these things. You must establish clear boundaries protecting your relationship with Jesus, with your family, with fellow believers. If you're too busy to go to church, you're backslidden. If you're too busy to read the scriptures, already the devil is beginning to cool your heart and steal from you the power and presence of Jesus. Please, don't let it happen to you. As the Egyptian army is in utter confusion. As their chariots are wrecking. The horsemen are rearing. The soldiers are being knocked down. And they're saying, let's get away from this God of Israel. He's fighting for Israel against us. Well, what did they expect? What did they expect? They've seen their whole country devastated because of the rebellion of their Pharaoh. And now they see total confusion. This well-oiled machine is facing destruction. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians. And their chariots and their horsemen. Do you understand? When you wait on God and you hear His promise, and then you move forward at His direction, the Lord does not leave you on your own. He steps into your circumstance and He destroys the power of the devil that wants to come and steal and kill and lie. He exposes the truth. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing back to their shore. And the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters flowed back. That water came crashing down upon them knocking them out, knocking them from their chariots, from their horses, drowning them in the chaos. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not a one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on the right and on the left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. There's a New Testament passage I need to read for you. First Corinthians the tenth chapter For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea meaning they were all under the Pesach, they were all under the wing of God. When you come to Jesus Christ and you forsake all of your rights, you forsake ownership of of everything and it all belongs to Jesus. You place it in the hands of Jesus. His wing covers you. He gathers you to himself as a mother chicken would gather her chicks. Verse 2, And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians is saying that as the children of Israel crossed through this place of utter death, they died. They were baptized, baptizo, meaning they're put down under the water, they're put in the grave, and then they're resurrected in newness of life. They were brought up out of that death in the Red Sea, under the wing of God, under his protection, under his provision. That reminds me of, I don't know if I can find it quickly, but I'll try. It's found over here. I have a new Bible, so my pages don't turn very easily yet. It won't take long, though, before they will turn very easily. taking too long. I'll quote a part of it. Paul said that he died, that he was crucified with Christ, that he lives, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In other words, I died. When I accept Jesus Christ, I die. And I'm born again by the Spirit, by the water, by the blood. I'm washed and made clean. So now, I don't own anything, but I own everything. I don't own my car. I don't own my house. I don't own my clothes. I don't own myself. I don't own my manhood. I don't own me. Everything has gone to the cross. It all belongs to Jesus. But in Jesus Christ, I own all things. you understand? The children of Israel were baptized into Moses. Moses is the one who led them out of the slavery and bondage of Egypt. Now, they're owned by Moses in the law that will be given. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock, which followed them. The rock was Christ. The rock was Jesus. They were baptized into Moses, looking forward to baptism into Jesus Christ. Jesus was the rock that provided them the water. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. In other words, they died out there because they would not remain under the cloud of God. They would not remain in the ownership of God Almighty. They claimed their lives back for themselves. We're going to walk through these stories, and you're going to see exactly what I'm speaking about. Paul says now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play, sexual play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents nor grumble as some of them did, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. They were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man, And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we which we bless, a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break, a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we are all partakers of of one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifice sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that which the Gentiles sacrifice. They sacrifice to demons, not to God. I do not want you to become shares in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or are we provoke the Lord to jealousy. Are we stronger than than he is? Are we? Are we stronger than Jesus? The earth is the Lord's, and all that it contains belongs to him, and you and I belong to Jesus Christ. And if we do not submit to him, We have literally stolen ourselves. From the hand of God, he owns us. If we claim we own our money, we are thieves. If we claim that we own our bodies, our sexuality, our manhood, then we are thieves. If we claim money as our own, we are a thief. The Lord's Prayer indicates that we are to pray our Father who art in heaven. Holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything that God has placed in my hands as a steward belongs to him and not to me. And it's to be used time, energy, money, talent, skill, home, car, husband, wife, children. All are to be used to bring about the will of God on the earth as it is in heaven, to bring about the kingdom of God on the earth, the kingdom of love and peace and joy, the kingdom of righteousness. Choose this day whom you will serve. If it be God, serve him. My brother, my sister, it is not because God is too weak to open your Red Sea. It's because you have not become small enough that he can afford to save you. Because if he does, you will claim it as something that you have done, or you will claim it as good luck, or you will claim it as something else and you will not bring glory to him, and you will not advance his kingdom. Well, pastor, I pray and I pray, and God doesn't answer my prayer. Well, what's he want from you? I tell you, this past week, the Lord dealt with me very sternly on an issue, and I'll share it with you. I'm an older man, And I have served the Lord earnestly for many years. And he has taught me many things about his ways. I could spend several hours just talking about the ways of God. But I've been concerned in my life just about being a man, being responsible, acting like a man. My manhood, my sexuality, my identity. Now, I would have always said, my identity is in Jesus Christ, and it is. Then why was I still concerned about my identity as a man? Why do I have something to prove? Well, I don't anymore. I made a covenant with the Lord and utterly renounced my manhood, my human sexuality. I gave it all to him. Now, does that mean I'm not a man? No, it means that my manhood rests in the hands of Jesus because he created me a man. He made me who I am. I'm not a pleaser. I'm not soft or effeminate. I am tender hearted. That's only because of Jesus. You see, even the most personal issues I have to give into the hand of Jesus Christ. If you're a woman, if you're a mother Your wife, your womanhood must be placed solely in the hands of Jesus Christ. For He is the one who made you, and He is the one who owns you. He made you to be the wife you are, He made you to be the mother you are, He made you to be the woman. To understand, all of life belongs to Jesus. And we come to the Red Sea, and the devil is behind, and we become terrified. I'm here to say to you today, God is in the midst of us. We have nothing to fear. He is the deliverer. He is the owner. He demonstrated his power to cleave the works of the devil in two and take his people through on dry ground. And then he demonstrated his power to walk on the water. He is willing to do that in your life, whether it be with sickness or finances or relationships or with sin. He will cleave it in two. He will walk on top of it. He will totally deliver you. Don't be afraid anymore. Renounce your fear. Give it to Jesus. Renounce your personhood. Give it to Jesus. Be who Jesus made you to be. We're in a time of gender confusion and utter wickedness and perversion. Be who Jesus made you to be. Let your heart rise up in faith. Let your heart rise up with great joy before the Lord our God, for he walks on the devil. Don't fear the darkness. Be the light in the midst of the darkness. Now I welcome you to to contact me if these messages are helpful and we're going to continue this story tomorrow by the grace of God would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel post office box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 again, that address is the National Prayer Chapel post office box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I just want to give a shout out to Alberta. I pray for you every time I get your offering. And Leslie, every time I receive your offering, I pray for you. And Thomas and your precious wife, thank you. Dirk, thank you. Thank you to all of you who stand with me, who pray for me as I pray for you. I love you, my brother, my sister. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.